Happy New Year and welcome to The Hearts Review with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week are Jamie and Calvin to talk about the 3-2 win over St Johnston, the 3-0 derby win over Hibs, we chat about the race for a third, look ahead to our St Mirren double header and talk transfers. How are we this week, guys? Very well, McLeod. How's yourself? Happy New Year as well. Yes, Happy New Year and Happy New Year to all the listeners. Um, yeah, very good. Yeah, after yesterday. Um, first half was a brilliant performance, I think. Yeah, second half, not so much, but we'll obviously get on to that and chat with you about St Johnston as well. A big win up in Perth, Jamie. Good result for Robbie Nielsen and the boys. Yeah, a, a result that's... Uh... Long overdue. Um, how Hearts had such a bad record in Perth, I'm not sure anybody could really understand. Many managers have taken Hearts teams up there, um, just as good as this current team is, and have not managed to get the three points, despite uh, most of those St. Johnson teams being fairly average on the whole. Um, but yeah, it was a, a, a very big three points. And if you want to finish third, I think we spoke about it the, on the last show, if you want to finish third, then you need to go and go and win these games. And obviously, we've we've managed to win the game in Perth, and then obviously the the derby yesterday. They did kind of keep us a wee bit nervous in Perth, though, Gordon, didn't they? Wouldn't be hearts without doing that. Yeah, would. Uh, I mean, it was such a dominant first half performance. Well, certainly, uh, thirty five minutes anyway. Um, I mean, I, I fancied Hearts to win the game. I, I boldly predicted it. Uh, Jamie said that we wouldn't. He has one nil prediction wrong again. Um, so I'm not. I'm not surprised that we went up there and, and got the three points. But unsurprisingly, uh, we did did make a, a bit of a meal of it. Um, I'm disappointed, really, that that it wasn't a comfortable night. Uh, I mean, it should have really been a three nil scoreline, in my opinion. Um, we get a little bit of luck with the kind of them missing the penalty. Then that should have sort of been the wake up call. But I think it sort of uh, was 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 almost a, a different effect. It kind of woke St Johnston up a little bit. But I think the the way Hart started the game was how I want them to start every game. You know, but with purpose and um, playing playing the right type of football, attacking, trying to win the game and and get yourself in the lead. And thankfully, we scored on when we were on top and. A few times this season, I think when we we have started well, we haven't scored, and and the game sort of went away from us, um because we do seem to be one of these teams that that have spells, um but we started well, raced into a two goal lead, and then you thought right, great, the, this the this score could be anything we wanted to be, but um St Johnston, you know we give away a stupid goal, um for me it is a very soft penalty I have to say. Um, which is quite frustrating, actually. I think really that probably should have been looked at, and um, I, I'm not sure it is a penalty. If I'm if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I think it's a, a pretty disgraceful decision, actually. Uh, I've no arguments with 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 the other two penalties. Uh, they they clearly are. The fact Willie Cobb doesn't even give the first Hearts penalty um, on sight. I mean, we're at the other end of the ground, and you can see it's clearly hit Ryan McGowan's hand. Um, so that was quite embarrassing. That the amount of time that it took. Um, probably highlights his incompetence. I mean, I certainly didn't see the set, the, the St. Johnston first penalty, um, but when you look at it back, it has a penalty kick, it does hit his arm. Um, I think mainly because there wasn't too many shouts from from their players. 
Um, obviously, it's a poor penalty. I think he, uh, I think the St. John's player rushes it. To be honest with you, I was quite surprised. Uh, didn't take any time at all to sort of pick his spot. Just ran up and blasted it. Um, so we got away with that one in, in the end. And then obviously they get the second penalty, and Stevie May's got such a good record against us. He was always going to score. Um, and that's the disappointing thing for me. You know, the kind of momentum turned a little bit. But we settled down, made a couple of uh, changes, and Barry Mackay scores a beautiful goal. And um, he's been due that. I think he's certainly not been on the best run of form recently, but he's still a magnificent player who can pull out little bits of magic. And it was a beautiful finish right into the bottom corner. And you think, great, 3-1. You know, hopefully that's deflated St. Johnston now. Go on and, and make it a comfortable night and prove the goal difference and maybe get a fourth. But again, you know, they, they, they get another goal back and it's... You know, we lose the ball in the middle of our own half. I don't know why Lauren Shanklin has to come that deep when we're winning 3-1. Um, obviously, loses the ball. It, it, it falls to Murphy and he sticks it in. I mean, it's not really anything Xander Clark can do about it. And it's 3-2 and suddenly it's an early end. And I just think the two goals that we gave away um, were both of our own doing. And I think that's probably been our Achilles heel this season. It's just decision-making at, at key times. And... Um, we really need to sort of learn how to manage games better for me because I think that was a perfect night to go and win 3-0. But overall, it's a fantastic result because, uh, like I say, they were on a fantastic run of form. St. Johnston at home uh, wasn't that long ago that they beat Rangers there. So it shows you how tough a place it is for, for us to go and given the, the, the record that we do have up there. So a big three points, a massive crowd we took up as well who were brilliant. And uh, one of these kind of results that um, I think you'll look back on at the end of the season, providing we do finish third and qualify for Europe again, um, has sort of been a highlight. Calvin, what, what do you make of the, some of the VAR decisions that were made um, in that game? It's one of the ones that weren't made. Uh, the the sec- second St. John's, the penalty is never a penalty in a million years. You can't, you can't just give give them and they're going to have hundreds of games like Snodgrass really touches them they're just kind of jostling in the box and the boy just goes down I understand why he's went down you well, like, oh, you always got a chance that he's going to give it but no point in VR is for him going to have a look at that the fact he doesn't look at it is, is pretty poor um, the first one that St Johnston got I've got my doubts on it not that it was a handball it's, it's obviously a handball I doubt that was actually in the box Watched it back on Sportsman about 100 times because the lines were so faint. It was right in, I was right in line with what that happened. Devlin lands outside the box after he jumps for it. You can see where he's landed on the ground. There's a clear there's a clear slide of where he's slid off, whether he's in or out the box when he's jumped. But I'm, there's no way the ref can tell that. There's absolutely no danger looking back on that. The ref can tell he's in the box when that's at his hand. Um, and you've seen it at half time. They got the wee boy out to repaint the lines because they were that faint. I think it's, they've taken a guess there. They, they maybe got it right. It's incredibly hard to tell, but the whole point of VR is you've got to you've got to use that to over to overturn an obvious error. I'm not sure not given that as an obvious error because, like I say, I, I, there's no way you can hundred percent know that's in the box. Yeah, it's hit everyone's hand. Yeah, it's a penalty it's in the box, but there's no danger they know that. We got away with that one. It was fine. So the Snodgrass one was a joke. The fact they had to use it took about five minutes to give the the Ryan McGowan one. It's also really poor. You could see from our end of the pitch, it was a, it was a handball. It was just poor all round. Um, the, it's meant to help make the ref's job easier. They shouldn't be getting big calls like that wrong. And I think 
I think Collins got away with one there because we went on to win that game. I think if we drop points there, that decision on Snodgrass and the, the VAR, it becomes a whole issue then at that point. Um, but fortunately for him, fortunately for us, it didn't affect the overall outcome of the game. But it did make the game a lot more nervous than it should have been from Hart's point of view. Um, yeah, it was just poor, a poor night all round, but you can't expect that now from the officials. Um, the same we'll, we'll get on to yesterday's game. There was there was equally ridiculous calls there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's meant to make it easy. I think, I think one of the problems, we talked about this before, is that at the smaller grounds, they've not got enough cameras. So the angles that the refs are having to work with, and maybe give Colin a bit of credit here, like, they've got, actually, because you can see them at Derby Park, there's two in the, in the main stand at the side and one behind either goal. That's not enough. That's not enough to pick up proper angles of what's going on. And they share them with the TV cameras as well. So how much did actually fall on rather than specifically focusing on a part of the pitch? I just, I think it's, we said at the time, it's been poorly introduced. It works fine at Tynecastle Easter Road, Parkhead, Ibrox, because these clubs have invested heavily in it. But we had one at Ross County earlier in the season where there was a very questionable coming together of players in the box. And it looked like it could have been a penalty, but there was no angle from behind the goal because there was no camera set up behind the goal to show it. So what is the point of VR? So if that, if that happens at Tynecastle, it probably gets given because there's an angle behind the goal showing it. But because it happens at, at Ross County, but there's no angle behind the goal, the ref can't check it to give it. And it's it's that sort of inconsistency. Either everyone introduces it properly or you don't have it at all. You can't have this where, you know, four or five grounds, it works fine, but every other ground, it's just however many cameras they can afford to set up. Like the Celtic one at Motherwell a few weeks ago where the camera was so far behind play that like, the ref got the call right, but there's no way that the VR helped them there. The ref just fortunately got the call right on the first instance. But if they had to go to VR for that, there's no way they can tell. So I think it's just, it's poor. You notice it when you play at the smaller grounds. So I don't mean, I, yeah, they should they should be made to put it in properly. It's, it's not going to cost that much. I, th- I think it's actually a league issue though. It's not really um, the clubs because they employ companies to come in and, and do the broadcasting never used to be the case it used to be one camera that they had but they actually do like proper like four camera OBs in most grounds um, but yeah when I try to get other angles from working in TV try to get other angles of things and try to do a production with getting VAR there is issues there and you know for the bigger leagues like England for example where there's something like 30 cameras at the games you know there's no excuse there but it does seem a bit sort of like VAR light doesn't it yeah, it's tin. It's use a phrase. It's tin pot. It, it's it's half arsed and it's it's not actually help. It, but it's helping some decisions. But like I say, the there's too many when it's not. You're not able to see it properly, and then the refs under a lot more pressure at that point as well because they're they're then expected to use this technology to help them make the decisions, and they go and try to check an angle, and the angle's just no there for them to see it properly. It's just yeah, it's it's really poor. Um, I don't. I think if the if we always knew introducing it halfway through a season was going to be a farce. Only, only in Scotland would you do that. It's the only country in the world that would introduce something like that halfway through a season. And it's the only country in the world where they wouldn't have a standardised set of this is how many cameras and this is where they need to be set up in each ground. So you've got this this massive disparity of, of the the VAR decisions made at made at Celtic Park, Ibrox, Tynecastle, etc., and like St Johnston. You've then also got on the other hand, I know I'm going off on a sort of tangent here, but with VAR now, they're reluctant to overturn 
wrong decisions. I, I think the, I mean, the Jason Holt red card at Easter Road is never a red card in a million years. How the ref gets it wrong in the first place, I don't know. You can maybe give him the benefit of the doubt that it's, you know, it's a wee bit late. But how after viewing that, you still give it. And then Livingston appeal it. There's no point in Livy appealing it. Even though they were right there, because it should have been overturned, it's never going to get overturned, because then how... It was ever after the Fletcher one at the start of the season, the asset of Tony Watt, Fletcher, Dundee United player, it looks ridiculous, because you can't have this situation where VR's not overturning something, then it's they're going and checking it back later and saying, no, no, it wasn't a red card, because that's the whole point in VR. And linesmen don't do their jobs anymore, because they just rely on VR. Referees are letting VR referee the game for them instead of actually making decisions, which is something I thought Colin did do the other night, in fairness to him. They got it wrong with the Snodgrass one, but at least he fucking made the decision. But, yeah, fucking ran about all day, to be honest with you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you let you have a, a, bit of, a bit of time, Calvin, before we rant about the Derby VR decisions. We'll get your view on that later. Um, Gordon, 3-0 win over Hibs. A very professional performance by Hearts. Yeah, and I'm quite disappointed there were two goals off my prediction, to be honest with you. I mean, you all thought it would be a cagey affair, uh, but I did fancy Hearts to get them a doing. Um, and to be honest with you, I didn't even think we played that well. Um, I thought we'd done what we needed to do. And, and uh, look, I think we can analyse the second half and say, you know, Hibs had more of the ball and, and they had more of the emphasis, but they, they were 2-0 down. I mean, you, you expect that. Um I don't think we really needed to do anything. And I suppose from the the typical fan point of view, you, you want them to come out all guns blazing and beat them 6-0. Um, but, you know, realistically, they, they, they got the job done um, quite comfortably. I mean, Xander Clark's only really made three saves in the entire game. Um, so it may be 4-1 from a corner in the first half, but... Again, they were all pretty comfortable saves, apart from the two double saves. I thought they were were excellent um, from him. Obviously, one of them was a reaction from the uh, ricochet from from Neil. But um, again, I don't really think Hibs at any point cut us open or, or really looked as if they were as if they were actually going to cause us any problems. Um, I thought we stood up to them quite well. They they put quite a lot of balls into the box, and I thought the the back three of uh, Cochrane, Sibic and Rose were excellent. I thought they, they won everything they needed to do. Sibic in particular, I thought, had a really, really good game. And, uh, you know, even when he had that one wee lapse in concentration where he um, sort of took his eye off the ball and, and it looked like, I think, Ewan or, or whatever his name is was through on goal. Um, you know, it shows you that the, 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 the amount of pace that Sibic's got to get back and make that challenge. And to be honest with you, because I, I was... As he was true on goal, I says, don't take him out. Do not touch him because, I mean, you'll be a red card and you'll be off. And then suddenly the game totally changes there with 10 men. And thankfully, he, he, he wasn't naive. He didn't, the, the blood didn't rush to his head and he didn't think, oh, oh no, I've got to wipe him out. Because even if Hibs do get one back there, as long as you've got 11 men on the park, I would still expect Hearts to win the game. Um, where you do that with 10 men, then, you know, it could, it totally changes everything. Um, so enormous credit to him. Um, he stayed on his feet and, and in the end he made the tackle exactly when he needed to and it was a perfect challenge. So credit to him for that. I think you could almost uh, pinpoint that being the, the moment the Hearts won the game. Um, but as I said, you know, I, I think they, they, they did start the game slightly cautiously, but so did Hibs. Um, I don't buy this sort of Hibs started the better. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they maybe had slightly more of the ball, but 
as soon as Hart settled down and created that first chance, you seen right away what our intentions were. And um, it's a really, I mean, it's a poor goal from a Hibs point of view to lose. Um, not sure what, what Fish is doing there. He obviously thinks that he's got, I mean, he's obviously a young man who's never played in this type of game before. So he naturally thinks he's got more time than he actually does. You're never going to get that in a derby. And enormous credit to Devlin, doesn't give up on it. Um, wins the ball from, from going out for a corner. And uh, Ginelli shoots pretty tight angle, but we get lucky with the ricochet and Shankland exactly where you want your striker to be in the six-yard box and tremendous finish, excellent start for Hearts. And then it was a case of, right, go on, get that second goal. And they created chances after that. You, they certainly looked to say that, that that was going to go on and get the second goal. I don't think, uh, I mean, Hibbs's performance from them was flat. Um, they didn't really look like they were going to go and get an equaliser. And then we do get the second goal, um, albeit it was a bit of a farce again in the VAR. I mean, it took far too long for them to make the decision. Um, as soon as they realise that Sibic's offside, then for me, you should only really need to look at uh, Bashiri's handball twice and go, right, well, that's a penalty kick because he stopped it from literally going in or, or going on target. So um, I don't really know why he wasn't sent off either, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, surely it's denying a goal-scoring, clear goal-scoring opportunity. So... I'd like to to know what their explanation for that one is. I thought only I thought double jeopardy only counted the goalkeepers, so um, I would I would like to know why why he didn't see red. Um, and again, Shanklin, you know, a fantastic penalty. You know, Marshall is uh, he's got a good record of saving penalties, and um, he had absolutely no chance with that one. It was beautifully put into the corner. Um, great goal. I've mentioned Sibic's tackle as well at two 0 um, Ginelli goes close as well and you think right it's comfortable for Hearts and I, you know I wanted this to come out and, and get that early third goal in the second half but I think the two injuries to the two fullbacks kind of upset our balance a little bit you know Hibs have made the changes um, they're obviously coming out to try and force a goal back and losing both fullbacks at the exact same time um, is, is never easy I just felt it upset the balance particularly more with Halliday I thought Atkinson going in at left back um he didn't look comfortable. It took him quite a long time to get into the game. I think his positional sense, he was a bit confused. Um, he wasn't really following the game, and I think Hibbs got in behind quite a few times. And to be honest with you, if there were any team at all, they would have they would have just put the ball down that side every single time, but but they didn't. Um, I thought Forrest done okay. Um, there was a couple of times where it was maybe similar to him, but again, I think it takes wide men a little while to get into a game like that, particularly if they're in a position that they're maybe not used to. Um, but look, they, they dug in and, and they kept a clean sheet for them. You know, they, they played their part. Um, credit to them for that. Um, and then I always felt that we could break away and get that third the longer the game went on. You know, Hibs have had a few chances. And as I mentioned, Clark's double save there. Um, I think that's when they start to realise it's probably not going to be their day. And um, Humphreys comes on and, and credit to him, you know, because although it's a, a bit of a shambles from Hibbs defensively, you've got to give enormous credit for him not giving that up. I think Grant probably overhits the, the pass, but um, tremendous turn of pace from Humphreys. And um, I think, obviously, spoke a little bit about Marshall's positioning, but I think he's expecting Stevenson to deal with it, to be honest. But um, he's a poor defender. He's he's finished, that that guy. Him, him and Paul Hanlon, you know, I mean, how they're still playing in the Premiership for a club like Hibbs, I'll never know. Um, I mean, both of them are absolutely nowhere near the, the, the level that you need to be competing at this 
this end. So hopefully they'll stay in the Hibs team for as long as possible. Um, but let's be honest, we I think their time is coming to an end. Both of them have tremendous derby records. I think they must. I think particularly Stevenson, he must he must be close to the record for the most defeats in a derby. Can't be far away from it. Um, so let's hope he does break that record if he hasn't already. Paul Hanlon can't be far away from a top three finish as well. Um, so credit to them. It'll be a sad day when they both hang up their boots. Um, and they played their they, they played a huge part in a, another fantastic derby drubbing. Um, as I said, the, the 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 only little spin on it really was hopefully the holiday and um, Michael Smith. I mean, Michael Smith seems to go off every every game now. To be honest with you, um, so I don't know how how long he has left. But um, the holiday one is disappointing. I think it was probably in our concussion sub. Um, hopefully, uh, he won't be out for too long. Uh, well, ideally, Kingsley will be back for the weekend. Hopefully, you would you would imagine. Um, so that kind of helps help helps the left hand side a little bit of our defence out. But um, but overall, credit to the team. You know, it's a fantastic win. I know Hibs aren't a great side, but to to win any derby three nil um, shows a shows a tremendous amount of credit. And um, I thought they were excellent. The, the the team. It's a really big big result to go five points clear in third, considering the fact that. It wasn't that long ago that we were four points behind Aberdeen. Um, it is is a tremendous turnaround, and it's one that we all hope for. Jamie, it's good we've got a striker now that can stick the ball in the back of the net. And Lawrence Shanklin, that's now 18 for the season, if I'm correct in saying. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another thing we, we spoke about last week. And uh, we said that kind of when he steps up and takes these penalties you're very confident that he's he's going to score. And it's something that, that Robbie said as well himself. Um, we've spoken about him getting the armband as well. I, I'm not necessarily saying that this has anything to do with the goals because he was scoring penalties all season. But um, I think maybe the plan from from Robbie's point of view would maybe to to see if giving him the armband would maybe eke a, a bit more out of him and um, try and develop his maybe that side of his game. Um but yeah, it's it's you know look when you when you've got a striker that's going to presumably score twenty goals, um, in a season that that obviously is going to give you a good chance of cup runs, European football, top four. It's you know it's going to give you a great chance to to kick on. Um, I think yesterday was our first clean sheet in sixteen games or something. So at the end of the day, you need a striker to score goals if you're leaking goals like like we've been recently. Um, and I know there is some explanations. To, to why that's been happening. Obviously, we're missing a lot of defenders at times this season, but uh, yeah, fair play to Shangland. And again, another very good signing from from Robbie and uh, and Joe Savage. Calvin, what do, what do you make about the Hibs fans saying that they, um, you know, dominated the second half in that game? Should they be happy with just dominating 40 minutes of a game? I'm really glad they are, to be honest, because it deflects away from a massive fucking failure. Like, Hibs were pathetic yesterday. This thing, the, the first half, that, that first goal was, that's League 2 defending. Like, all, all angles, like, that fish boy is just, why they've chucked a guy in for his debut in a game like that, I'll never know. Like, that's comical management. Marshall doesn't cover himself in glory because he just, he either parries that behind or catches it. It's like, fair enough on Janelli taking the shot on, but realistically, the goalkeeper has to deal with that. But instead, he, pat, like, he pams it in the middle area. Then Joe Newell just steps out the way and lets Shanklin, the most at this moment in time, the most prolific striker in Scotland, hit a free shot from six yards out. It's absolutely comical. And then from then on, for half an hour, we absolutely bullied them. We took a two-goal lead. I was frustrated with the second half at the time, but looking back on it, what Robbie's done is he's went, uh, got a two-goal lead, 
we lost the two fullbacks very very soon on. It was very much a case of don't make any stupid mistakes. The game's won. Hibs, Hibs had nothing. They had the only the, the, the only thing they were trying to do yesterday. And the reason, because Gordon said, any team with a bit about them should have just been hammering balls down Atkinson's side. Because Atkinson was all over the place. He's not a left, he's, he's a right back. He's a right wing back. Playing left wing back. And he, he, he was struggling. Not going to criticise him too much for it. He was asked to play a position he's not played and he's not really fit. He's barely kicked a ball in about three months. Understandable. But Hibs had no threat down that side. Their only threat in the entire team was that Yuan, who's pretty poor, but he was about the only player who looked capable of doing anything. And as a result, all they could do was try and come down the side that Civic was on, who just dealt with absolutely everyone they had to throw them. That then resulted in Hibs just punting aimless balls into the box that Cochrane, Civic, and Rolls just fucking ate up all day. It looked like Hibs had a lot of the ball because they probably did. And if they got loads of crosses and they had a fair few shots, but they weren't anywhere near troubling Clark until the, the sort of double save at the end. Um, you can cross the ball in the box all you like, but if the Hearts defender's winning the ball first time, every time, it doesn't really matter. Like, we're 2-0 up in a game and all you're doing is crossing the box straight, sorry, crossing the ball straight to Civic's feet. Could they care less? You can dominate that all you want. That's great. It's brilliant for us as well. No... And then they go on about they won the second half. He didn't. They? Even, even in a half where Hearts barely got out of first gear, you still got beat 1-0. So this is Hibs in a nutshell and this is why they'll never fucking improve because if that was us and we took a 3-0 pace down Easter Road, right? As happened under Ian Caffer, it was 3-1 under Caffer. It was the worst performance I've ever seen in a derby, right? The reaction from the Hearts fans wasn't, oh, well, we drew the second half 1-0. It was, get everyone out, right? Clear the decks. Not a single player is good enough to play for Hearts ever again that played in that game. The managers are dud. The board need a serious overhaul. Director of football needs out. And that anger stayed until we finally beat them the next again season, right? Whereas with Hibs, they got absolutely pumped. The, work, the, the heaviest derby defeat since 2012, a whole decade since a team won by that many goals in the end of a derby. And all they're going on about is, oh, well, we called hearts for shots on target. We've deserved a point out of that game. You deserve fuck all. You decided to start playing in the second half after the game was over. That, that was what you done. And even at that, you didn't actually trouble Xander Clark at any point until the 89th fucking minute in the game. So, good on them. And as long as they do that, and as long as they don't address the fact that Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson are not SPL standard footballers, Joe Newell is not an SPL standard footballer. David Marshall was all right at one point, but he's clearly fucking past it now because he was at fault for two Hibs goals, two Hearts goals yesterday. Um, I could go through that entire Hibs team. There are, there, maybe what, say Cadden looks all right, but he should have been off in the first 20 minutes. Again, that's another decision the ref absolutely bottled. He's already in a book and he goes absolutely flying into it. How are they or, Smith, I can't even mind who it was, was flying into him. You could debate it's a red card, never mind a second yellow, but the ref absolutely shits himself because the first 20 minutes of a derby. Um, Nisbet's all right. Nisbet scores goals, but if you stick him up front in his own, yeah, there's, there's not really much a threat there. I mean, Shanklin, if you stick him up front in his own, he'll probably bully a few players and maybe do something with it. But nah, Hibs, my, serious question there. Is there a single Hibs player that gets in that Hearts team yesterday? Take mm-hmm. Nisbet on the bench. But it wouldn't be in over Humphreys. So, Nisbet's third choice striker? Young Hendo. Right, Nisbet is ahead of Young Hendo. <laughs> I said that. I, I remember when Hibs signed um, Nisbet, right? And I actually said that. I said, and at the time, we had Uchi, we had Washington, we had Boyce. And I, I generally said that, who's who's he getting in? Who are you taking Nisbet over of those three? I wouldn't have to, I, I, would, I wouldn't take Nisbet over Uchi. I generally because he's a different type of striker, eh? And I remember all the Hibs fans when he when he 
he decided to to score quite a few goals and things out of the rock quote tweeting me saying uh, Joker and all this crap Abel who's laughing now because I actually forgot he was playing yesterday generally forgot he was playing not until I seen him standing at the edge of the box I thought oh there's Kevin Nisbet has he been playing this entire game and this was at like 85 minutes legit forgot he was playing that's how anonymous he was um, so you know I don't care if he's been out for a year or whatever like that he, you know he, he done absolutely nothing in the game Um <laughs> Hibs, Hibs are a team that we lost of identity, and and I think, um, their their kind of team selection yesterday screamed of desperation from Lee Johnson. You know, they're on a poor run of form. Instead, he's sticking with his almost tried and tested team. He's made changes in the hope that somehow it's, that they're going to um shock a win here, and it would be it would have been a, a huge shock if they'd got a result yesterday. Um, I know derbies, anything can happen, but given the way that their form had been and given the way that, that we had been playing, I'd just seen absolutely no danger of them coming to Tynecastle and getting a result. I mean, Hearts have only lost to Celtic and Rangers at home this season. And to be honest, we uh, I think that'll probably be the case um, for the rest of the season. I don't see anybody good enough. There might be the odd shock result, but it was never going to happen in a derby anyway with Hearts or that. Um, like, like I say, you look, you look through that Hibs team and, and to answer the question is, no, I don't think any of them get in our team. Um and even even Porteous, I I I don't see Porteous you know get get kind of game for Hearts. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I mean we're maybe a little bit light at second half. He could maybe make the bench, but again he's he, he's a hatchet man. He's he's not a great player. Um, looks like he'll be gone as well. I mean he wouldn't have made any difference to that to them yesterday. Um, another one who has a great record in derbies. So yeah, I mean the 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 good thing is that. We've got another derby coming up in a few weeks. If we can put another nail in their coffin, then that'll probably send send them into meltdown. Um, I'd imagine it'll be a different game at Easter Road. You know, they'll obviously be hurting a little bit, um, and you would expect them to come out. But if Hearts kind of go into it with a, the same sort of um, determination and um, and just to be honest, we play our football. I think we should relax a little bit more and be a little bit more confident to play football against them because I think when Hearts do play football, they're a pretty good team. Um, I think sometimes we're a little bit too industrial and a little bit too robust um, and there's almost a little bit of hesitance. I think that does come from the manager to to, to play football. Um, and when we do, we're brilliant, but we, we don't always do it. And I think we've seen that in the second half. Um, I get it, you know, we're 2-0 up. We, we probably don't need to. Um, like I say, we didn't really play too much football the entire 90 minutes, really. Um, I feel if we did, it could have really been a, a proper pace. Then I'd like to see us go Easter Road and play our football, and uh, and and absolutely, you know, give them another doing. And our three 0 would be nice. But it's all about just winning that game in a couple of weeks. It'll be a, it'll certainly be a different game from from this one. Um, so yeah, so good result. Um, a big result for the team and for the manager, and uh, and long may it continue. talk about the managers um a little bit as well i mean you made a few comments there gordon on on, on lee johnson what do you make of him sort of blaming his team for that performance yeah i've, I've heard a few Hibs managers blame the team over the years haven't they and um tenny butcher famously done it he threw them under the bus and they ended up getting relegated so hopefully it'll have a similar reaction you know because i want them down i love the derby but i want them down 
I want them to stay down there for a long time. Even if it meant Hearts weren't playing them for 10 years, fine. Not a problem with that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know how much time he has left. I think if we beat them in the Cup, he'll probably be out. And then, realistically, who the Hibs go and get to, to replace him? Um, because who's going to take a job where four managers of pretty decent pedigree, by the way, I mean, I think, you know, obviously you go back to Jack Ross and um, he had just been the Sunderland boss, uh, fairly decent reputation in Scottish football, had took them to third, and then obviously his first almost sort of bad spell, they binned them for Sean Maloney. Um, fair enough, you can understand, you know, high pedigree, worked with Martinez at the, at the Belgium team, um, very highly rated. He gets, what, 19 games, gets binned. Um, Lee Johnson comes in and, again, similar to Jack Ross, you know, just been at Sunderland, done a good job at Bristol City. You think, yeah, he could, you know, he, he could maybe be the, the, the guy to sort of uh, take them to the next level, potentially. He's a young manager. Um, but, again, you know, if they were just to sack him, not even, in, you know, halfway through January, then you think realistically where's that club going you know they're they're becoming a little bit you know Romanov-esque except you know Romanov just sacked managers because he was bored they're doing it because they're shite um so yeah I I, I really don't know to be honest with you where they would go I mean they would maybe give it to David David Gray till the end of the season or something and maybe see how he done or I don't know maybe going to Lennon back or something but even then how long is he going to last and you go back to Hibs even under Lennon you know I mean this again he delivered their half highest finish prior to Jack uh, Jack Ross coming in um, for X amount of seasons. Um, they had a, an opportunity to finish in second at one point and, uh, and they binned him kind of the first chance. Uh, well, I think he fell out with everybody, he'd be fairly imploded. But um, but still, you know, you, you, you do look back on these decisions and um, Hibs, uh, Hibs notoriously have always had problems with managers. I mean, even you go all the way back to John Collins, who I heard some of his comments on the, the radio. And again, he's just a delusional hippie. Um, it sums him up. But, I mean, he won them a League Cup, and then within, I think, eight, nine months, he was out in his arse as well um, because he had fell out with, with, with the board or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, Hibs are just a gift that, that, that keeps on giving, to be honest with you. And um, I would find it hilarious if they did sack Lee Johnson. I mean, considering the fact that he is on a four-year deal, and then that would be what three other managers now uh, that he joins on the scrap heap that they're paying off contracts for. Um, you do have to say how sustainable that is um, from a club point of view, because inevitably when another manager does come in, because um, a lot of these guys have signed their own long-term deals as well. Um, so you've then got to farm them out. And I think where Hart's got a little bit lucky um, is that when Nielsen came in, a lot of the players who were on long-term contracts that were nowhere near good enough from the disasters Levine reign uh, were coming to the end of their contracts. So it meant that we were, were able to get rid of the vast majority of them and then freshen up the squad. Hibs don't really have that luxury unless they've all got relegation clauses in their contracts and they go down and they're able to get rid of a lot of them. Um, they're going to be lumbered with these guys for quite a while. Um, so... It, It'll take Hibs a lot longer, I think, to get anywhere near us. And by this point, hopefully, we'll have raced well clear that because of the European money, hopefully from next season and beyond, will take us into a different league entirely. 
Um, that's why I think this cup game is so important because you can't allow them to go in and win the cup and, and almost take our European money. Um, that's why the semi-final last season was so big. I know they were they were never in any danger of winning the cup final, but it's not the point. They were still 90 minutes away from, from doing it. Um, so the fact that we were able to, to nip that in the bud, um, we've got to do the exact same in this game. Make sure that we are in the very least in the final. We'd love to win it, of course, but very least there. So again, our destiny is in our own hands. Um, it's the same with Aberdeen as well. You know, you, I think we will bat them off for for a third. You're already seeing the real Aberdeen now starting to come ahead. Nil um, nil at home at Ross County. I mean, again, they're patting themselves on the back because apparently they played quite well, but at the end of the day, they failed to beat the side bottom of the league at home. Um, didn't even score. So again, I think the rails are coming off at Bataudry, which is good timing. Um, we're starting to stretch our legs a little bit now. I'd love to have a little bit of uh, luck with injuries. I think we are due it. Um, but again, you know, two players going off injured, two fullbacks. Um, so yeah, so listen, from from our point of view, we've just got to keep full steam ahead um, and enjoy the calamities at the other clubs and and hopefully it continues. And, um, I read a quote from someone that they basically thought that Hearts and Aberdeen were in an arms race to become the third best club uh, in, in the country. And I do agree with that to an extent. You know, all the Aberdeen fans, their criticism at the moment is they've spent £1.5 in the summer and now they're five points behind Hearts. But I think there was a gap there anyway. I think clubs like Aberdeen and Hibs would have to spend maybe three, four million to get anywhere near Hearts at the moment. Um, and that's not being big-headed. I think it's realistic because you look at the side and the squad that Hearts have, we're only going to continue to add to it. Um, hopefully the players we can bring in in January will certainly be more than enough for us to secure European group stage football next season. And then hopefully we do what I wanted us to do last summer and go and make some marquee signings that will take us to the next level beyond that where we can actually compete in Europe and try and close the gap on the top two. Um, so Hearts at least have a road that they're they're going down at the moment. Um, they've got a vision that I think they need to follow. Whether or not they can, uh, they can do that. Uh, we'll we'll soon see. But Hibs and Aberdeen, they're all over the place at the moment, and uh, I'm quite frankly enjoying it. Part of that, Jamie, is probably the consistency of us having a manager like Robbie Nielsen, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, all jokes aside, uh, Robbie Nielsen gets a, a lot of uh, a lot of stick, particularly on this podcast. And Gordon just touches on it there, Mister Mister Levine's reign. Um, I think the turnaround since since Robbie's come in, in the door has been uh, nothing short of remarkable. And and don't get me wrong, it's not all down to him. We've got Joe Savage in the door as well, who a lot of our our signings have been very good, obviously under under Joe. Um, so it's, it's not just Robbie, but I think that the club is in a very good place off the field now. We've got a lot of very good people in in the right positions now, and uh, it's given us this opportunity. To sign sign well and for these players to then go out and, and do their jobs on the park, which so far they've they've kind of managed to do fairly successfully. So um yeah, it's I think it's no no surprise to me anyway that I think the last time Hibs won a derby was against uh, Daniel Twin Stendel's team. So Robbie's come back second spell and, and has uh, put all those kind of rumours to bed about his his derby record and and long may it continue at Easter Road in uh, a couple of weeks' time. He needs to win at Easter Road. It's, it's the one big black mark left. 
um, even Daniel two win Stendhal's as you call him, one of his wins came at Easter Road. So that's something that uh, something that Mister Nielsen needs to put right. And for what it's worth, I think he will. Um, I think the difference in the two managers at the moment is is night and day. Robbie's got a squad playing for him. Um, Lee Johnson, if he's still in charge in two weeks, I see the Hibs board have backed him this morning, but that's never normally a good sign. Um, Johnson's call. I mean, calling out your players in the press is never it's never going to go well. Mind Terry Butcher tried the same thing at Hibs when he came in. We all know how that ended. Um, I'm not sure Johnson will get enough time to do the same the same to Hibs as Butcher will, but the damage is probably done at this point. Um, I think Nielsen's because the big thing that all fell down last time for him was because of the derbies, and he's addressed that. He's came in. It's two two big wins at Tank Castle in the last two derbies, two resounding wins. Hibs suddenly laid a glove on us in either of the games. Two wins at Hamden as well. It's just that Easter Road monkey on his back now. I, I mean, th- this one has to be has like because there's no uh, there's no replays. There is no chance of a draw here. It has to be a win. Um, I don't know what Hibs are going to do in the window. I mean, there's there's two weeks of a, a transfer window between now and this game as well. Two and a half weeks. Hibs could go and sign two or three marquee players that totally change the way they play in that time. Realistically, the chances are it's more likely to be us that sign two or three players that massively improve the squad because we didn't sign 17 players in the summer. We signed six. Um, there's room there. There's money there. Um, I don't know if the Japanese guy will be on time. I don't know if anybody's heard any more on that. Um, we need a centre half, big time. We needed one anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of share Jamie's sentiments. I, I think he's a bit disrespectful, Mister Stendel, who started this run against Tibbs. Um, I think he Stendel knew how to go to Easter Road and get a win. He started this sort of this dominant spell we've got over them. Is it eight eight unbeaten now? We're uh, two away from being able to start singing about it officially. I don't really class it as a long run until it gets to double figures. I know Hibs got off excited when they hit number six, but for a club like Hearts, that's just standard procedure, really. So hopefully, hopefully, Mr. Nielsen gets up to 10 this year. I doubt we'll see an 11th derby this season. Uh, and that so, obviously would that would be the, the longest unbeaten run for a Hearts manager since, I don't know, a long time ago now, certainly in the last 30 years. I think Spencer. Well, Spencer did go through this this morning. I I need some somebody who was around at the time because I, I had to look through the twenty two in a row sequence. Yeah, so go back to the nine. Joe, Joe Jordan was on nine. Alex McDonald got the first of twenty two in a row. But how many did Alex McDonald have during the seventeen in a row spell? Yeah, was he in charge for the entire seventeen? I'm not really sure. Um, at least thirty years though. I think we would be going back if Robbie got to ten. That would yeah. be the. The, the yeah, I mean, it's, it's in, in our lifetime, it's the, long, the longest unbeaten spell against Hibs for a single manager. It's pretty impressive. And you, you've got to say that's that's huge character from, from Robbie to come back and, and kind of silence those those Derby uh, Derby kind of question marks that everybody had over him to come back and, and set a kind of modern-day record for a Hearts manager. If he goes on to do it, obviously, would be would be a magnificent achievement. And I, I, I 100% believe in Robbie that he'll go and do this. He's certainly done better than John McGlynn's one unbeaten, like Spencer said this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we've got St Mirren, double header Gordon. Um, only in Scottish football we would have a double header in the league against the same team over the next two weeks. Yeah, I know, ironic, isn't it? Um, and they, you know they're having a good season, St Mirren. In fairness to them, um, I tipped them to go down at the start of the season, I think, uh, or certainly one of the teams to be in danger. Um, I don't rate Stephen Robinson as a manager. 
Um, was very worried when we were linked with them. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the away game will be tough. I mean, I know we won there twice last season, but um, they, they are very good at form. Maybe similar to what St. Johnston were going into to the game on Wednesday there, um, that they've won, uh, I don't know, I think they've won five or six on, on the trot at home, I think. Obviously, in that spell, they have beat Celtic, the Drew Rangers, and they've beaten Aberdeen as well. So um, I think it does highlight just how difficult a game it will be. But if Hearts can go there and and, and certainly... I mean, a point wouldn't be a disaster if they provide they go and beat the, the St. Mid in the following week at Tynecastle. But um, if we could go down there and get three points, it really would be a huge, huge result for us. Um, again, it would. Uh, I think it would deflate probably uh, the chasing pack um, and almost knock St. Mirren out of any uh, realistic possibility of catching us should we beat them uh, twice or at the very least take four points off them. So... Yeah, it's it's a big couple of matches coming up, and it takes us into the Aberdeen one after that. So I think it's very important that we go and get um, two results. And I mean, by the end of this kind of sort of we run a three games, we that could be third place, sewing up. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think it's uh, it's going to be a difficult game, the 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 one at St Mirren Park. But there's no reason why Hearts shouldn't shouldn't go there and try and win the game. Um, whether we have a new sign-in before then, who knows, but that would be quite nice. Um, sold out away end. Um, and to be honest with you, we haven't been that bad on the road this season, to be fair. Um, certainly recently, anyway. I mean, Tanadice, we obviously picked up a point and wasn't the greatest performance, but I don't think we deserve to lose the game. Um, obviously, St. Uh, Johnston would go there and, and win. Um, who did we play prior to, to the World Cup break away from home? Rangers. Yeah, Rangers. It wasn't a bad performance, but... Give it a I mean, go. Robbie. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know about one giving it a go. But, as well. One in Dingwall, one at Firmware. Yeah, yeah. Aye. So, so, exactly. So, are we... Are we form hasn't been too bad recently. It's a tough game ahead, but um, I do fully expect Hearts to go there and try and take a result. And, uh, and it would be a big result indeed. <laughs> It is a massive double header, Calvin, because you could argue St Mirren are in the strongest position, you know, of the chasing pack with the two games in hand that they've got over Aberdeen, game in hand they've got over us. Yeah, at this moment in time, St Mirren are our rivals for third place. Um, they're in the best form out of the rest of the chasing pack as well. Um, like you say, they're, they're five behind us, but we're game in hand over us. So if we can go and beat them at home and not get beaten Paisley, that for me probably puts us enough of a distance there that I'm not saying we're not being caught, there's still a long way to go, sand catched off, it could happen, but it's very similar to what happened last season. Like, if you remember, we obviously had that that really good run right before the winter break. We came back, we beat St. Johnson at home, went to Paisley and won, um, and all of a sudden we were like 12 points clear and we just never really looked back. The run of fixtures we've got now is a doubleheader against St. Mirren and Aberdeen at home. We win those three games. The worst position we're going to find ourselves in is nine points clear and third. So we could even be better depending on how other results go. This is assuming that Aberdeen win their other games and we're not playing them, which given their current form is probably quite unlikely. If we can go into that cup tie, nine points clear and third, you've got to say, is anyone catching? I mean, they don't want to tempt fate. Like, you know, I mean, things can happen in football, but our away form as well this season, we've lost four away from home all season. 
two in Glasgow, one in one in Aberdeen, right after a big European tie. The only real shocker was Livy. The only real shock in a wave performance has been Livy this season. We've picked up a lot of really late points. When I mean, that was Kelly, we picked up a point in the last minute. Tannadice a point in the last minute. We're really capable of going away from home and not losing games. And as long as you've got a strong home form, which we really do at the moment, again, only the old farm have came at Tynecastle and won. And I think it's only Levy that picked up a point as well. Has anyone else drawn was at Tynecastle yet? So you look at that and go, at the very least, not losing. I want us to try and obviously win the game, but I think at the very, the very least, avoid defeat, get them at Tynecastle on Friday night, stick a couple past them. And I think at that point, there's no real looking back. But Saturday is huge because if St Mirren win, it's a very similar situation when we went to Paisley last year because I think we went to Paisley last year five points clear to St Mirren as well and I'm sure they had games in hand we just lost to St Johnston and I was getting a bit nervous if St Mirren beat us here they get down to two points a game in hand I went to Paisley got a really good 2-0 win um, and we never looked back from there but it's also a bit early in the season I think that was the end of February we're obviously start of January now but it's a similar circumstance and I, I really do trust this squad to go and you're not going there putting a performance. You're not, we're not going to go there and walk St Mirren off the park and stick three past them. It's going to be a very tough game. They're probably our biggest challenge for third at the moment. But we're very capable of picking up points. We've shown it every away ground this season. Minute Far Park took three off them. Like a ground we started. We finally won it at St Johnston, which we've no won in fucking 12 years. Um, went to Tannadice after that horrific injury to Craig Gordon. Still managed to dig deep and get a point. This team on the road doesn't like hearts of previous on the road where you just go into you go to Paisley and just expect to get beat 2 0. I, I don't see that. It's, well, it's, it could happen, but I just I think this team's built a bit differently. Um so I'm I'm hopeful, I'm very hopeful that we go there and go there and get something. If we can get a win in Paisley, then we're absolutely laughing. A win in Paisley and then win the two home games and we're I think at that point we're probably uncatchable. I don't I don't see the rest on being good enough to catch us at that point. Um which is a great position to be in, given that we were four points behind going into the World Cup break. So, yeah, it's, it's all, all credit to them. But this is, this is what Hearts done last season. When, when all the other teams started dropping points over the winter, we went on a very, very good run. And I think that's... I think it goes down to quality players. You see what the old firm... No other team has a Lauren Shanklin in their team. They've not got a guy... Like, you look at the scoring charts, it's Kyogo and Shanklin on 15, then a couple of Rangers and Celtic players. No one outside of that is anywhere near... I think Majofsky might be on 10 or something. Um, but you, you know Shanklin's going to score every game. Defensively, been a bit suspect, but then somebody like Snodgrass as well. No other team has got a midfielder like Snodgrass able to just stroll about and completely control a midfield for 90 minutes. So I think that, that that's how we're picking up points because we've got players that are capable of pulling big moments out when they need to. So it's, it's a good time. But I will uh, not be in Paisley this time, just like the last time. So hopefully that's a good omen for Hearts as well. Certain Alley Hill ruining your tickets there. Right? Yeah, I missed, missed, missed it. I wasn't going to name him Ross, but if, uh, but but I think he does deserve to be named and shamed for his uh, his attempt to buy buy tickets for this game. So, I mean, all, all our big fans deserve a shout out now and again. That's Ali and Glenn both mentioned, and Spencer as well. Spencer's well, on the podcast. Um, we know that Ali will be listening this first thing tomorrow morning, and I, I really hope he cringes when he remembers that we're not going to pay on Saturday because he forgot to to click confirm on the, the ticket order. You'll know cringe. You'll know cringe twice because you've been mentioned on this and that. Um, <laughs> we'll move on and chat a little bit about transfers. Jamie, I'm aware you're not allowed to talk about this. So, Gordon, who do you think we're bringing in? Uh, well, I think it's fairly clear who our targets are. Um, 
obviously Oda, the, the young Japanese kind of winger. Um, I think that deal's pretty much done. Um, it's just a case of when he'll when he'll arrive. Um, but the Patterson can they get Patterson in in this window? Fingers crossed. Um, I did see that he started for Sheffield Wednesday yesterday. Um, and he's started the last couple of games now, so I don't know if he's back in Darren Moore's plans or not, but um, we'll, we'll certainly see. They don't have a particularly big squad, Sheffield Wednesday, so um, I think they'll maybe be needing a replacement if they're going to let him go in this window. Um, but again, that, that, that would be a big signing for us, whether it happens now or whether it happens in the summer, but hopefully we can get him in this window. Um, and then it's difficult to say after that where, where they'll want to go. Um well, they want to. I mean, I could see Hearts maybe going into the loan market. They haven't really got too many loans, apart from Humphreys, really. Um, that's the only loan we have. Where you look at last season, uh, we had maybe three loans, I think. So, uh, you know, maybe a couple of loans might come in, maybe a, another centre half just to to potentially boost the ranks. Um, the form of Toby Civic kind of encouraged me that I'm not overly concerned about, about centre half. Um, well, not not concerned enough that we need to sign another first team centre half. Um, I'd be pretty, you know, like if they were to get like a Taylor Moore type of centre half in, um, for cover again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be totally against that. Um, centre midfield were fine. Um, will they they try and get another striker in? Probably not, given that that Humphreys has shown that he can score goals at this level, and if he can um stay fit, then then great. And obviously, if they are able to get Patterson, then again, that's a position that he can play. So, um, I would like to see us... Obviously, if they can't get Patterson, then I, I do feel we're a bit short at right-back. Um, I mean, we spoke about Nayaka. I just... I mean, apparently there is a bit of interest in him uh, from the Middle East, you know, Australian World Cup star. Uh, well, not star, but he was in the squad. Um, so, he potentially could go um, and then that would leave us very, very short at right back. So I don't know. Um, I think there is certainly work for Hearts to do in this window. Um, it's a tough, tough month for for any club to do business in. Um, I mean, we certainly done well last season with with, with our summer so our January signings. Um, Ellis Sims coming in. I mean, if you can get another player of um that can have a similar impact. I mean, we spoke about. Um, when Gennaro Zifuk came in and the the impact that a January signing can have like that coming in can almost get you over the line and, and sort your objectives out for the for the season. And, you know, he came in, scored 15 goals. I mean, Sims didn't score the same amount of goals, but he came in and had just as big an impact. Um, so if they were able to find someone who can come in and, and make that impact as well, It'd be fantastic, but um, yeah, I, I think you know, Hearts' squad, if they were turned around and say we're not signing anybody, you know, you're obviously as a fan going to be a bit disappointed, but I don't think it would be the end of the world. Um, but the fact is they do have two lined up um, that, that we know that they're going to bring in. And of course, we, we brought Toby Civic in last January as well. I forget about that one. I mean, that was quite a late, a late kind of signing and it came from nowhere, so I'm sure Hearts will have uh, targets lined up and um, hopefully uh, they can all come in and, and make an impact. 
tell you that we're, we're speaking about forwards there, Gordon. Obviously, Boyce is going to be due back in kind of March time as well. I think Benny's due back for the end of the season as well. So it was good to hear that they're obviously both progressing quite well. Um, Halkett's obviously been ruled out for the season. Got the scan results back for that on the day of the derby, but obviously didn't want to to announce that um, on the day of the game. So that was that was obviously announced this morning on the Tuesday. Um, so that's a big blow. Um, you're kind of looking at Alcott's injury record and, and kind of thinking he's a bit like Suter now. And you're, you're starting to wonder if he's going to come back, if he's reliable enough. Is he, I don't know, do we need long term? Do we need to go and sign a, a Halkett replacement? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, but again, I, I, I make the, the Toby Civic argument that I think he's developing into a, a really good young player. And, um, you know, we, we might not need to, but yeah, I, I, I would look at that um, going forward. Uh, and I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I thought I had to question a three-year deal that, that we did hand out. Uh, I know he had a, a pretty good season last, last year, but he had someone with a pretty terrible injury record. And, um, uh, you know, you, you do, it does make you wonder that how much does he have left, particularly this season when, you look at the injuries he has picked up, they haven't been impact injuries. They've been muscular injuries. And that one at Dundee United was a shambles. I mean, seriously, he's, he, you know, he's shielding the ball and he just falls over and does his ACL. And you think that that shouldn't be happening for a professional athlete, in my opinion, uh, particularly one that, that will be on a good contract. And um, it's supposed to be one of our, he probably is one of our higher earners as well. So, yeah, I would. Uh, I'd look into that to be honest with you, because I don't think we can sit here and uh, and just because he's he's been here for a while on sentiment. I think it's got to be we've got to be realistic and be a little bit aggressive when it comes to uh, this type of thing. I think it was always difficult in January, though, isn't it? You know, you you've got to. I think, as you say, it's impact signings that probably Hearts want to bring in. Instead, you're not going to get like a long-term signing in January. You never generally do. It's probably more for the summer, that one, don't you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I remember Hart signed Andy Webster in January, to be fair. Um, so it's difficult to say. It depends who's available. Um, I think if the right player comes up, one that, that can come in and um, fit in right away, then then it's maybe worth pursuing. But I think these types of signings, you know, it's just a shame that Jason Kerr's a right-hibs bastard because he would be the perfect type of signing that you'd be want to go in for. I think Liam Polworth would be a good one as well. Um, yeah. Uh, Jason Kerr's a bit injury-prone as well, is he not? Is he not out for about a year than now? Mm, I don't know. I mean, he, he was, he was Boykin's player of the year last year, to be fair. Wigan are pretty bad. Like, Speaking of Wigan, yeah. actually. No, I know, but what, well, exactly. Maybe that's why they, they are so bad, is because he's not playing. But um, he was their player of the year last year, anyway. And obviously, he's won a cup double at St Johnston. So he does know the league, in fairness. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a few signings that, that potentially players that have played in Scotland before and they go down south and they're maybe at a Preston or a Wigan or something like that. You know, these are the types of players that you can bring in and, and that can actually fit in and do well and play and play pretty well at this level so uh, we'll see see what happens Speaking of speaking of Wigan just before we move on Ross Humphreys obviously I think he's got another 
18 months that'll be on his Wigan contract. Would we make a, a move for him per permanently? Wouldn't be in January, it would be probably next summer. Would we try and make a make a permanent move for him, Jenk? What would you what would you say to that? Ross, yeah. what would you say to that? I'm I'm glad I'm getting asked the question this week. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's done pretty well. You know, he's done very well when he's came in. He's got pace. You can see that. It gives us something different. So I think um, yeah, I think he would be a good signing. I, the big question will be if we can go down. You know, if we can go down to the to League One, do they want to keep him? Do they want to bring him in? Will there be people coming in and going out? It depends if there's a new manager that comes in as well. If we can do go down. Um, so yeah, it all, all sort of depends on that. But with a year to go, I wouldn't be surprised if Hearts put in a bid for him. But I don't think they'd want to spend too much money on bringing in Stephen Humphreys. Which are Wigan or Skint as well, are they not? Yeah, yeah they are. So uh, if, they, if, they, if they do go into admin, they could probably get him for nothing. What's the predictions for the two St Mirren games, double headers? Uh, I'll go for 1-1 one, one in Paisley uh, and I think 3-0 at Tynecastle. I'm going to echo that. I think it'll be a draw in Paisley but I'm going to go for 2 all because that seems to be a fairly standard away result at this moment in time. And 2-3-0 uh, at Tynecastle. No, 2-3-1. or three, one. We'll, we'll concede some minimal score but I think it'll be a draw in Paisley a win at Tynecastle. That's my, my overall prediction. Yeah, we don't keep too many clean sheets these days. So I was going to say, well, uh, not sure if I see us keeping back-to-back -back clean sheets. So I'll also go for a draw in Paisley. I'll go one all. Uh, I think there's too many goals in this Hearts team, both at both ends to be a to be a nil nil. Um, so I'll go one one in Paisley, and I'll go for I'll go two nil at at Tynecastle. I think we'll we'll get another home clean sheet though. Two nil at Tynecastle. I don't know. No, no, I don't. We can't, no, we can't because we only kept two clean sheets. We won both of those games. Yeah. Three now, we're not Riga. Yeah, three. Sorry, we've had three now, including yesterday. We had two before yesterday, and we won them all. So, and we'll win them both 2 0 and 3 0. Telling you, I trust Robbie. None of you trust Robbie to get a win. Terrible, terrible, so... terrible, terrible stuff. Thank you all for joining me this week. Um, yes, till next week. Goodbye.